Well, let's pray together and we'll look in God's word here this morning. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would uh, minister to us through your word. Father, our hearts are open to you. It's, it's been a beautiful time to be in your presence thus far. We just want to continue that as you speak to us by your Holy Spirit through your word. Use me as an instrument to share this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, when we go out and uh, talk to people in our world today, share the gospel, it's often times that you run into people who are what, what's called agnostic. It means basically that they're not, they're not um, atheists. They don't necessarily say they don't believe that God is there, but they, they just don't think that he can be known. You can't figure out who God is by scientific observation. You can't hear him, you can't see him, you can't touch him. So they figure, well, if I can't really touch him, how can I know he's there? And so they just, they just have this idea that, well, he can't be figured out. And um, I want to talk about that over the next few weeks, is can we really know God? Can people know God? And I believe it's clear from the scripture that we can. We can know who he is. And today I want to talk to you about his love. And let's start with uh, a couple of scriptures, kind of in general. There's a scripture in Romans chapter 1 that talks about, you know, going out to share the gospel with people. And he tells us in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. But then the next verse, it says, the wrath of God is revealed against unrighteousness. So there's these two, kind of like these two competing ideas of, righteousness that comes through the sharing of the gospel and the unrighteousness which brings the wrath of God. But right after that idea, he says, for what can be known about God is plain. See, what can be known about God is plain to people because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, for, well, for sure God's invisible, and his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So what God is saying there is that just through the creation, God can be known. There, there are millions of people around the world today who've never, ever heard the name of Jesus. But somehow, God can be made known to them just through the creation. Now, you know, we, we try to make the, the creation, the whole creation of the world a scientific thing as well, but God is the creator. And I, what I love about science is the more that they study the creation, the more amazing it is. And I think many, many people are ultimately going to come to the conclusion that there must be a God. Because it's so perfectly designed, so intricate, the minute details, the way atoms work, the way the, the body works, the, the eyeball, how vast the universe is. I mean, I mean if, you're, if you're a truly thinking person, you have to come to some conclusion that maybe there is a God when I see this amazing creation. And that's really what is spoken of there in Romans 1, that through creation, God reveals himself, even his invisible qualities, like his power and his divine nature. Somehow that's discerned by our creation around us. Another way God reveals himself is through the life of Jesus. 
One time Philip came to Jesus and said, hey, Lord, show us the Father. Show us the Father, and it'll be enough. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you for so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? And then he said these words, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Now, what's that mean? They're they're not the same person, but they're both God. You have God the Father, God the Son, And Jesus is basically saying, I'm such an exact replica of the Father. When you see me, you see him. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Read the Gospels. Read the stories about Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll see the biographies of Jesus written there. And you'll get get some sense of what God is like. And I love the idea that God is just like Jesus. Don't you? You know, if, if God hadn't revealed himself to us, we would, all of us would make up in our own minds what we think God is. And if you want a picture of what that looks like, look at something like the Hindu religion where there's 40 million gods. It's because people are trying to figure out in their own mind, in their own hearts, what, what is God? Who is God? What's he like? Is he, is he the lightning? Is he the thunder? Is he this, this piece of metal right here? What's God like? And, and if we're left to our own ideas, we'll create God in so many different ways. But God has been so gracious to show himself to us that we don't have to wonder what he's like. We can see it through creation, but we see it also in, in great detail through the life of Jesus. And I'm so happy that God is like Jesus, because I love Jesus. When I read about him, when I see how he reacts with people, how he He loves people, he treats people, and he's full of truth. I mean, everything about Jesus is a a reflection of what God is like. So read that. If If you want to know what God's like, read the story of Jesus' life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And then finally, another way God reveals himself to us is through Scripture. And in Luke 24, verse 27, Jesus is saying these words, beginning, or he wasn't saying it, it's about Jesus is the one speaking, beginning with Moses, which is the first five books of the Bible, and all the prophets, he interpreted to his disciples, to them, in all the scriptures, things concerning himself. So if Jesus is a reflection of God, which he is, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and then Jesus took the scriptures and he began to show the disciples everything written about him that's revealed in the scripture. And so if you want to know who God is, look at creation, look at the life of Jesus, and look into the word of God. And you'll know who God is. And so what I want to talk to you about over the next few weeks are some of the ways or some of the ways the Bible describes him. And the first one I want to talk about is is God is love. God is love. You know, it doesn't say that God loves. He does. He does love, like a verb, an action. It says he is love. It's like the epitome of love is God. If you want to know what love is, it's not two people falling in love and going on a date or getting a Valentine card. I mean, those are all sort of expressions of it, but love, true love is found in God. 
God is love. And we can only understand love in the context of God. And that's what I want to share with you this morning from these verses in 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another. You know, one of, the, one of the things you'll find if you live in this world for any length of time, you start interacting with people, right? And one thing you find out about interacting with people is some people are easy to love and other people are what? Hard to love. And sometimes we struggle with this conflict in our own hearts of people that we, we love, and it's usually people that rub us the right way, and people who rub us the wrong way, we have a hard time loving. But there's this thing in the Bible that talks about, let us love one another. And he doesn't really put any stipulations on there, does he? Let us love one another. I wonder if there's anybody sitting here today that could look around this room and think, I don't really love that person over there. It's possible. It's possible there's somebody sitting here today that struggles with that. Or maybe it's somebody in your family or somebody that's a neighbor or that, it's that guy I work with. And we let this love grow cold in our hearts because of the interaction we have with people. And so the Bible tells us, let us love one another. And here's the reason. For, when you have the word for there, it means it's for this reason. Why should I love one another? Because love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God. You know, what that tells me is that if I'm a born-again person, if I've been born of God, one of the hallmarks of my life is loving people. Why is that? It's because he who is love lives inside of me. How can I express anything different? If God who is love lives in my heart, I'm going to love people. Just, it's, it's just a period. You know, there's nothing more you can say because God lives in me. I love. It's not that I'm trying to work it up. I'm not trying to overcome my anger or my hatred or anything else in my heart. I love because I'm born of God. It's simply put that way. It's, and it makes it easy to love. Why? Because he who is love lives inside of me. There was a time in my life when we were, right before we were saved, a few weeks, or a couple days actually, before we were saved. I'm not going to get into all the details, but some guy tried to take advantage of my wife. And I hated him. Hated him for it. And uh, I wasn't in any condition to do anything about it at the time, which I won't get into the details about that. <laughs> but when I found out what happened, I had this hatred that came up in my heart, and I just, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to punish the guy in some way. But a weird thing happened is maybe two months later, I was out with some friends. We were out on the streets in Anchorage sharing the gospel, and you know who walks up or who I pass by? This guy. And you know what? I had a love in my heart for him. I can't explain it other than I thought the next time I see that guy, I was going to punch him. But I had this love in my heart. It was not like I had to work it up 
or create it or try to tamp down hatred or anger. It was just, it was just there. And I recognized that as something God did. It was nothing that I could do on my own. It's something that God did. Why? Because I'm born of God. I'm born of God. And he who is love now lives in my heart. And I couldn't help but love this person. So, whoever loves has been born of God, and he knows God. See that? When we say, well, can God really be known? Yeah. Because when you're born of God, you know him. And that might sound strange to a person. You say, how do you know God? Well, because he, he lives in me. That sounds so strange. It sounds strange to think that God lives in me, and because he, he's here, I love, and because of that, I know him. But if you experience that, you know what I'm talking about, and you know him. You know him. Because he who is loved lives inside of me. Whoever loves has been born of God, and he knows God. And then what it says in verse 8, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. See, so what does it mean to know God, or what does it mean to have God live inside of you? One element of that is your heart's full of love. And again, it's not that you're trying to work something up. It's just that what God is, or who God is, lives here, and it expresses itself in some way through the love of others. Isn't that amazing? I think if it had to be up to us to work up love, there wouldn't be a whole lot of love in the world. But because we're born of God and he lives here, love comes easy. Verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest. What does the word manifest mean? It means shown, means revealed, something you can see. So again, we're talking about, can God be known? Yeah. In this, the love of God is made known or manifest among us. And here's how he describes it. God sent his only son into the world. You know, we, read, we, we quote or read or hear the scripture. It's very famous, John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he sent his son. The expression of God's love is Jesus. He loved us so much that he gave his son, who was most precious to him, he gave his son to die for us who did not love him, for us who sinned against him, for us who had a rebellious heart toward him. He still loved us. And he sent Jesus to die on a cross. And this is what it says. This is, the love, this is how the love of God was made manifest. If you want to see a picture of God's love, look at Jesus. Jesus said one time, there is no greater love than that a man would lay his life down for his friends. And he was talking about him dying for us. There's no greater love than this. And so he says, this is how the love of God was made manifest, that God sent his son to the world so that we might live through him. I mean, the purpose was that we were, we were dead in sin before, and God sent his son so we could live. He, he would make us different. We can be born of God. And our lives would be changed because of that. 
And then in verse 10 it says, In this is love, not that we've loved God, but that he loved us. See, who took the initiative here? God did. It's not that we loved God. He loved us. You know, sometimes, we were talking about this the other night at one of the, one of the Bible studies, and we, we sometimes say things, well, back in 19-whatever, I found Jesus. Well, really, he found you. He found you. He's looking for you. He's like the good shepherd who leaves the 99 to find the one. He's looking for us. He takes the initiative. God loved us so much, he sent his son. He didn't look for us to give him any indication that we wanted to be saved. He didn't look for us to give any indication that we loved him. He loved us. He took the initiative. He took the first step and said, I love you. I'm sending my son. And so in this, the love of God is manifested. He sent his own son. And this is the love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation. <laughs> See if you can say that. <laughs> propitiation. <laughs> what is that? That's a big word. What in the world does that even mean? God sent his son to be the propitiation. It is, it is the, the mechanism or the means that God uses to remove his wrath. That's what that's propitiation is. That, that because of our sin, because of the sin in our life, the wrath of God was there. God wanted to remove the wrath, so he put this propitiation, like a shield. And it was Jesus. He became the propitiation because he loved us. He wanted to give his life. And he gave his son to be a propitiation. It's called love. A propitiation for our sins. And it says then, so beloved, if God so loved us, we also should love one another. That's kind of the conclusion he's saying is that we've we got to take this love that God, that God has shown us, the love that God has given us, and it becomes active in my life. It's not just a the, theological position. Oh, I know God is love. No, if, if God is love and if he's done all these things, then he says, let this love live in you. If God loved us in this way, we should love one another. And I'd like to encourage you, if you're here today and you're, you think about where your heart's at with love, and if you find it difficult, to love, or maybe love some person, or some, some person in your life in some way you've been hurt or offended or whatever, and you find it difficult to love, he's saying, hey, let him who is love, let, let that love be released in a sense. We, we can love others because God loved us. Why spend the rest of our life with bitterness and anger and hatred? It's so destructive. God came to give us life. And that life is sometimes expressed by love. Now, verse 12, no one has ever seen God. True. That's why people say, how can I believe in God? I don't see him. I can't hear him. I can't touch him. No one has ever seen God. But then he goes on to say, but if we love one another, God lives in us. You see how this idea of loving 
is so tightly linked to knowing God and being born of God and God abiding in us, God living in us. It's, it's all tied to love because God is love. I can know him because of love. I can know he exists because of love. If we love one another, God lives in or abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. This word perfected just means matured, you know, brought to completion. So this, this shows me that God's love grows in my life. It, 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 maybe it starts out in, a, in an infant form in a way, but it, it can become perfected. It can grow. It can mature. And I would say that in my life, at this point in my life, the love of God is greater in my life than it was 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And I hope you'll find the same thing in your life, that as you know the Lord, as you walk with the Lord, as you let that love you know, be real in your heart, that your love will grow. And you'll find it easier to love the most unlovely people. You'll find it easier even to love your enemies. The Bible teaches us to even love our enemies. But that happens not because we're trying to work it up in, in our own strength. It, it happens because his life is here. And it's alive inside of us. We're born of God. So if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. And by this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. I love these verses because it shows the Trinity here. It talks about the Father, it talks about the Son, and it talks about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying here that I've given you my spirit and by this we can know that he's abiding in us. His spirit bears witness. He confirms to us, you are a child of God. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. So this John who's writing, you know, this John who's writing about love, you know what he was when he was a, a new follower of Jesus? One time he was going to try to share Jesus with people in a certain city and they didn't want to receive Jesus and he said, Lord, let us call down fire from heaven and consume them. That was this guy, John. You know, so his early days, the love of God wasn't perfected, was it? He, he, he saw people differently. And Jesus said, John, 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 lighten up. That's not why we're here. You have the wrong spirit, brother. And so, you know, John had to grow and learn what does it mean to see the love of God perfected. Now, this time he's writing this, he's an older man. And he's talking about this love of God that's living in him and that God's showing himself in, you know, to, to John and he's abiding in him and his spirit is there and this love is so alive in his heart. And he goes on to say in verse 14, uh, we have seen and testified. So John is talking, I, I've seen the Lord. I've, I've testified that he's raised up his son to be the savior of the world. And then he says in verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him, and he in God. So how do you enter into that relationship with God to the place where you're born of God, he abides in you, his love comes alive in your heart? How does that happen? 
by confessing that Jesus is the Son of God. And it takes faith. It takes faith to believe because he's invisible. You don't see him. But every one of us who could say this morning, I've been born of God. His love dwells here. Every one of us have come to this place where we said, you know what, I wanna, I'm going to confess that Jesus is the Son of God and he is my Lord. I want to live for him. It's a, it's a, in a sense, it's a surrender of your life to him. It's acknowledging that God loved me so much He sent Jesus to die for my sin. He became the propitiation for me. He became the shield from the wrath of God. And I want to say that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and Jesus saved me. And when you do that, God does this amazing miracle where he comes by his Holy Spirit to live inside of you, and the love of God explodes in your heart. I can't explain it any differently than that. Is it perfect? No. You may still walk around and say, call fire down from heaven. But over time, the love of God will be perfected in your life. The love of God will mature and it will grow. And you'll find yourself being a lot like this man, John, where the God's love is becoming a mature part of your life. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him. God lives in you. See, becoming a a follower of Jesus doesn't mean I'm learning a new religion or I'm just going to church. It means that God lives in you. He lives here. And he in God. Verse 16. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. I know it, and I believe it. You might say, well, where's your scientific proof? I don't know. I can't give you scientific proof if you don't want to see it. All I can tell you is I know and believe that he lives in me, and his love is alive in my life. I can't explain it other than the love that I have for people is there because he lives in me. That's it. So I've come to know, or we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. He is love. And whoever abides in love, abides in God. If you live in love, you live in God. And God abides in him. By this is love perfected. So we talked about this idea that love will grow and mature. He's telling us how. By this is love perfected so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. What? On the day of judgment, I sometimes think of, like, oh my goodness, you know, what am I going to do on the day of judgment? It's like being called into the principal's office. And even though you may feel like you've done nothing wrong, you walk in that principal's office and you're a little bit nervous, like, oh my goodness. And you read, you read the stories in the scripture and it talks about how every idle word that we speak we'll have to give an account for. And so there's this idea of judgment. But he's telling us here that somehow when love is perfected in our hearts and this knowing of God and this abiding and this relationship with him, 
it makes it so we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Would it be great to know that I'm going to stand before the Lord and you are fully confident? Well, love is what does that. That you will have confidence on the day of judgment. And it says this, because as he is, so also are we in this world. What's that mean? It means that we're becoming more and more like God. We're becoming more and more like, not that we're becoming gods, but we're, our lives are becoming more like Jesus. And I'm telling you this, the more you see your life becoming like Jesus, one of the, one of the things that's going to be happening is your heart's going to be full of love. And when that happens, you're going to have confidence on the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. I don't know. I mean, that's what the Bible teaches here. So if you're here today and you're like nervous about the judgment day, what am I going to do on that day? Let the love of God be perfected. Become more like Jesus. And you can have confidence because as he is, so are you in this world. And the verse 18 says, there is no fear in love. See, that's the reason. There, there is no fear in love. When love is there, there's no fear. And so when the day comes when I must die and stand before the Lord on judgment, there's no fear because of love. There is no fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Now, we use that scripture to talk about all kinds of things, but the true context of that is perfect love casts out the fear of judgment. That's what it's talking about. That this matured growth of love being as he is in this world, removes the fear of judgment. That's what it's talking about. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Isn't that an awesome thought in Scripture? And so that makes me want to say, Lord, perfect the love in my life. Let me grow in love. Let me mature in love, let me become more like Jesus because I want to have this kind of confidence when my time comes to stand before you. And then finally, verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Again, he took the initiative. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. See, because it's, you can't Love God and have him living in you and have that love truly alive in your heart and, and say, I hate my brother. They just don't go together. So if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him Whoever loves God must also love his brother. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? It kind of puts us all on the line, doesn't it? But he's, he's saying, hey, look, you know, where are you at? And, and he's, he's trying to help us have life. He's trying to prepare our hearts even for the day of judgment. And one of the ways he does that is by saying, hey, check out where your hearts are with love. See where you are. You love your brother. You love one another. You're loving God. Is it happening? If not, 
Let the love of God be perfected and grow in your life. I'd like you to stand with me as we close up in prayer. And uh, consider yourself. Can we know God? Absolutely. We know him because of his love. I know that God is real. One reason, because God's love is alive. His love is alive in my heart. I'm not boasting about that. I'm just telling you the reason why I love people is because of Jesus. I know that if Jesus was not in my heart, I would treat people much differently because I know what I was like before I was, a, before I was born again. I'm a different person because, of, because he lives inside of me. And I've walked with Jesus now for 50 years, almost 50 years. Is my love perfect? No, but it's stronger than it was. It's maturing. It's growing. And I want to be like him more and more in my life. I want to be a person who's known to be a person who loves like, like God loves. I want to learn to love my enemy. I want to learn to love my neighbor. I want to learn to love my brother in Christ because I want his life in me to be so alive, so real, so powerful in my life. And ultimately, it's going to remove any fear of judgment. And I'll stand before the Lord and say, perfect love has cast out fear. And I love that. I love that, that God wants that for us. So I guess all I can say to you this morning is, do you know God? Do you know him in this way? And just put a little check on your own heart. How's my love? How's my love? How am I doing? And if you find there's a need for growth there, pursue it. Because our love is a growing thing. It's, it's perfected. It's matured. Father, I pray you'd help us to just be honest about where we are. We're not looking at trying to fake it. But where we lack, we know the only way we can change is by seeing your love become more alive in us. So I pray that that would happen, Lord. You give us opportunities to love others, that that love would grow and increase, and it would abound. And it would be evidence that we know that God is real. We know that God exists. Because my life would not be this way if it weren't for you, Lord. I also pray this morning for anyone here who may not know you, Lord, that today they could reach out and say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And in surrendering to you, would follow you, Lord. I ask you for all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.